Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Amen. Aren't you glad nothing's impossible with God? Oh my, if you're wondering, is, is revival possible? Well, it's possible with God. And since He's the one that has to bring it, I would say revival's possible. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning. Look with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at this morning as we continue our series in the book of Colossians. I do appreciate uh, the opportunity uh, to be away last week. Uh, we had a, uh, a wedding in my family that I had committed to several months ago, and uh, then we scheduled, uh, I preached a camp the week before vacation Bible school, and then Bible school uh, came and rolled around, and I kept, I told Rachel, I said, oh man, I wished I hadn't have said uh, that we would go to this wedding, uh, but we did say we would go to the wedding, and so we went and uh, it was a lovely time. We got to see some family and friends uh, that we hadn't seen in a long time. And so we just appreciate the opportunity to be away, but we're glad to be back home and uh, pray for uh, Rachel and a couple of our kids. They're a little under the weather uh, right now, and so they are at home this morning. I'm assuming they're watching uh, online. I, I hope they're in, in church this morning, um, but you pray for them if you wouldn't mind. They, we need them to get better. Uh, I, I, need, I need somebody to cook, um, and so um, that, that is always helpful uh, in that. When mom is down, it just the house goes chaotic, um, and everyone's asking, what's for dinner? And I just look at them like, why are you looking at me? Um, and, uh, and then Rachel just tells me what to do, and I do it. And so, uh, so, yeah, pray that she gets better soon. Uh, she's on the mend, but we just didn't want to spread anything. And so they are at home uh, this morning. But we're here in Colossians chapter 3, and we've been talking through this passage, and we see it here once again as we get to the, uh, the primary verse that we've been focusing on in the book of Colossians. And it's right here in chapter number 3 in the fourth verse. We're going to start in verse number 1 and read down a few verses, and we're going to make a few comments here about verse number 4 as we get into this. But the Bible says this. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time 
when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. I draw your attention to the fourth verse once again in Colossians chapter 3, where the Scripture says, When Christ, who is our life, I ask that question again, Is Christ your life? Have you made Christ your life? Is He at the center? Is He the driving force of each and every day that you wake up to serve the Lord? Is He your life? In just a moment, I'm going to do my best to help you by giving you this message on how we can make Christ our life. How do we do it? We've been talking about it. We've asked the question, is He... But now it's time to talk about how do we do it. If he is, that's wonderful. How do we continue? If he isn't, well, this is how you do it. All right? So let's pray together. We're going to jump right into this. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again. God, you've given us so much. 
You've given us a life that is in Jesus Christ. And Father, without that gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ, we would have no life, and we certainly wouldn't have an eternal life to look forward to, to be hoping for. And so, Father, I pray this morning, on Your day, that we would focus upon what You would have for us. God, that You would draw to us the conclusion from Your Word this morning that Christ indeed must be our life. And that we would put Him at the center point. And that all that we do would be with Christ in mind and with Christ at the forefront, at the center of all that we do. Help us to make connections from Your Word this morning to our hearts that we might, as Your Word tells us, serve You in all that we do. Help us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It was September 1998, the first day I met Rachel. I came into the activity center at Crown College and I was sitting downstairs and with a couple of friends of mine and we were supposed to be studying and uh, we weren't doing much studying. And Rachel and a couple of her friends were sitting up in the balcony area of the same activity center and uh, my friends and I may have been doing a few things to possibly get some attention. That's what you do when you're 20 years old. Uh, you try to get attention from girls. And uh, that's definitely what we were trying to do that day. And we got their attention uh, pretty well, but they were somewhat annoyed by us. And, um, but I, I found myself uh, a little uh, enamored there and met Rachel that day and uh, went up to the uh, balcony where she was seated and began to talk to her a little bit and uh, introduced myself and she introduced herself and her friends and uh, I honestly for the life of me I couldn't tell you who she was with uh, but I remember she was there and uh, they were doing scrapbooking and they were taking all of their uh, pictures and that's what you used to do before we had uh, computers and things, uh, but they were scrapbooking and they were taking pictures and stickers and putting them in scrapbooks. And, and I told her on that day, I said, oh, wow, I love stickers. Now, folks, I'm just going to go ahead and admit to you right now, uh, I straight lied through my teeth. I did not like stickers. I didn't have any enamoration for stickers. I certainly didn't love them. Uh, but I told her I loved them, and so uh, because I told her I loved them, she let me pick some out. And I, I picked out four or five stickers and put them on the front of my notebook. And uh, as a matter of fact, I still have the notebook. If you want to see the stickers, I'll show them to you because uh, they're still there uh, all these years later. Um, but she gave me those stickers, and, uh, and, and so uh, that is really how we met, and it was all through a lie. Uh, that I told her I liked stickers and loved stickers. Um, but something happened because, again, as a college student, uh, this was really, we had email and those types of things, but uh, we, we still used in 1998 this thing called the mail system. 
And uh, Rachel worked in the college mail room, and she was responsible for uh, getting all of the mail to all of the students at the college. And so she was one that I would see every day. Uh, because I would go to the mail room and I would check my mail and I would open up my box and inevitably it would be empty. It was empty. But I went every day to check to see if I got mail. Um, and so whenever there was no mail, I would just stick my head uh, around the, the little door there. They had a little door, the half door. And, and I would say, hey, Rachel, where's my mail? And she would say, you didn't get any. And I would say, I don't know why I don't ever get any mail. And I would complain every day after day after day that I didn't get any mail. And so I think she actually got a little tired of me complaining that I didn't get any mail because one day I went to my mailbox and I opened it up and there was a 3 by 5 card with a sticker stapled to it that said, Aaron, here's your mail today. Enjoy your sticker. And I took it, and I stuck it in my notebook, and I said, oh yeah. The next day, another 3 by 5 card. Here's your mail today. Enjoy your sticker. I got a sticker and a 3 by 5 card every day in my mailbox that whole semester. It was great. I enjoyed getting mail. I enjoyed getting, going to the mailbox and getting my sticker, even though I didn't really like stickers, but she thought I liked stickers. But she made sure I had mail and stickers every day that semester. And uh, the semester ended. We went home. And I, I remember going home, uh, it was my first semester at that particular college, and uh, you know, she was just one of the people that I met, and uh, I, I got home, and uh, my mom, of course, checked the mail at home, and so uh, my mom came home one afternoon, and, and she said, uh, hey, here's a card in the mail for you. I never got mail. I didn't even get mail at home. And, and so uh, I opened it up, and it was a Christmas card from Rachel. And it said, hey, Aaron, I figured since you didn't get any mail at school, you probably didn't get mail at home either. I hope your, <laughs> I hope your Christmas break is going well. Uh, Merry Christmas, Rachel. Here's a sticker. <laughs> and I said, hmm, interesting. So I'll never forget going back to school uh, that, uh, that next semester and I uh, went back early to take an interim class because I was a little bit behind after transferring a couple of schools. But uh, I went back to take an interim class and uh, went to church that Sunday morning. And, and I walked in, and I'm walking down the center aisle. It was a very similar auditorium to this. Uh, there's two center aisles, balcony and balcony over there. Uh, and I was walking down the center aisle, and lo and behold, uh, I, 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 I look, and she turned around. It was Rachel. And she turned around. And she said, oh, hey, Aaron, uh, did you have a good Christmas? And we talked for a little bit, and, uh, and uh, I said, oh, yeah, it was great. And uh, she was there. We ran into each other, 
And, and I just asked her, I didn't, you know, there was very few students there uh, at the time. And I said, hey, are you sitting with anybody today? And she said, no. And so we sat together for church and uh, we, we just again began to uh, grow our friendship over stickers. Well, once school started that January, late, kind of late January, mid-January, school began to get back in session and uh, I decided that I was going to do something about this and uh, we had the school did a big Valentine's banquet every year and I went to one of Rachel's friends who was a mutual friend of mine and I said hey uh, can you tell me does Rachel have a date to the Valentine's banquet yet because there was another guy that was hanging around her at the same time and uh, and she said no I don't think anyone's asked her yet um, but I'll find out for you and so I said, that'd be great, awesome. And so her friend came back and said, hey, uh, I found out that she said that she's going to say yes to whoever asks her first. I said, okay, I'll be right back. And so I went and I asked Rachel, I said, hey, would you want to go to the Valentine's banquet with me? And she said, I'd love to. And I said, well, all right then. And so uh, I continued to get my stickers and my cards in my mailbox, and it was interesting as our relationship grew uh, throughout those two semesters, you know, uh, when they first started out, it just said, Aaron, here's your mail. By that second semester, after our Valentine's Day banquet, uh, those three-by-five cards began to fill up with paragraphs. Yeah. They began to say more things than just, here's your mail. And our relationship began to develop. Nine months later, we got married. Yeah. We don't recommend that for everyone, but it worked for us. Um, here we are. We have four kids later, and uh, we, we just, you know, there we go. Now, I tell you that. And I share that story, not to just fill up time or anything like that, but it's a, re, it's a story about a relationship with my wife. It's romantic. It is the pursuit of romance. It was fresh and easy in the beginning. But you know, over the last 21, 22 years, it hasn't always remained fresh and easy. Some of you might be able to identify with that. Many of you already know sometimes my mouth speaks uh, without noticing what's about to come out. Uh, that happens uh, from time to time. But sometimes, uh, you know, even I'm surprised by what's going to come out. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to own it. But I will tell you, over the last 22 years, uh, she has been mad at me a time or two few. I've been mad at her a time or two. Those things happen. Relationships happen. They're lovely, aren't they? We have a great time. But I tell you this, and I go through this because the relationships that we develop in life here on earth, are often a picture and sometimes an example of the relationship that we can have with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible gives us a 
description that Christ is our life. And this morning, I want to give you some ways from Colossians chapter 3 on how we can make Christ our life. I'll use some of my personal relationship with my wife to try to illustrate this a little bit further as we go through this. But, but I want you to notice first off where the scripture says in verse number 2, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. Set your affection on things above. If Christ is going to be our life, there's going to have to be some affection. There has to be some affection there. And in this affection that we have for the Lord and for His things, we have to understand in verse number 3 it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. Now it's interesting though, that while it says ye are dead, it also says that Christ is our life. So while we are dead, we're also alive. But it goes on to explain a little bit more than this, that it is not just that we are dead. Really, what it's trying to explain to us is that the old man has to be dead. And so if Christ is going to be our life, and if we're going to make Christ our life, I want to give you number one this morning, that in order to do that, we must die to ourselves. We must die to ourselves. And that's what Paul is getting at here with this church at Colossae. As he says in verse number 5, as he says, Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. That word mortify in verse number 5 means to destroy. It means to totally crush who you are. In the old man. He says in verse number 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye walked sometime. He says it is who you were. You walked in this sometime when ye lived in them. But now. This is what he says. But now. He says if we're going to be in Christ, and Christ is going to be our life as we live, he says, but now ye also put off these. Then he goes through this list. It's an extensive list. As he says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He says, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So I have to die to self. You see, I have an old man, I have an old nature. You have an old man and an old nature too. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have this. And he says that we are to put off these things. Now that idea of putting off is to put as far away from you as possible. To mortify. Now, how much further can you get from, can someone get from death? 
I mean, if something's dead, it's dead. That's why we must die to self. And that is the self that we're dying to, is all of the old affections that we had. Now, can I just remind you, just very quickly, that no one loves you quite as much as you love you? You know what I mean by that? I mean, I know as husband and wife, look, husband and wife, man, Rachel and I, we love each other. But I'm just going to tell you, she does not love me like I love me. And I don't love her like she loves her. If, and if you're honest, you would have to say the exact same thing. So if we're going to make Christ our life, what do we have to do? We have to die to self. I have to die to self. I have to die to my desires. I have to die to my wants. You know what else I have to die to? I have to die to my rights. Oh. You see, we have this thing in America, and I love America, by the way. Don't you? I love it. I've been to other countries. I, I want to live here. I love America. But listen, we have a thing of, as Americans that we get, we get pretty caught up on our rights, don't we? It's my right. It's my right. It's my right as an American. And I'm glad for the rights that we have. I'm glad that our government has recognized that God has given us rights. Amen. But if I'm going to die to self so that Christ can be my life, I'm going to have to die to those rights as well. I'm going to explain that here in just a little bit so you don't get too bent out of shape over that, okay? But I have to die to self. I have to be willing to put off all of these things. You see, we have this idea that I have the right to be angry. The Bible says put that off. But I have the right. Not if Christ is your life, you don't. Amen. No, I, I've given that right away to him. And I've put it away. But I have the right. Not if Christ is your life. So how do I make Christ my life? I put those things away. I have the right to get even. Not if Christ is your life, you don't. But he says, put off these things. Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now he continues. He says in verse 10, And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Oh man. So I get to take off and put off all of these things, but the Bible says there's a new man that I get to put on. You see, when the Bible tells us to put off these things, including my rights, I get new rights. 
I get a new wardrobe. Amen. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, we have a new wardrobe in Christ, as he says, put on, and it's renewed in knowledge. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, one of the greatest things in the Christian life, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us after salvation is knowing that we're saved. Amen. Knowing that we're saved. Because the Bible tells us that we can know that we have eternal life to them that believe. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Amen. We can know it. And he says here again, he says, These are the things... That is, if you put on the new man, it's renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He said, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Let me ask you again this morning, is Christ your all? If he's your life, he is. But then he goes on and says, put on therefore. As the elect of God, you've been chosen by God. God has made you holy. God has loved you. Hey, listen, there's only one person. There's only one deity that has loved you more than you can love you, and that's God. Amen. Amen. That's why he says, holy and beloved. He says, put on these things. Bowels of mercies. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Listen, you will never put on the new man until you die to self. You won't do it. It won't work. It, it does not work. Therefore, we must die to self. Say, okay, Lord. Bowels of mercies. That is the, the inner seat. It's, it's kind of the, the place that we get pity from. That it comes from. And it comes in at the center of our being. As God enables us to have bowels of mercy. Then he continues. Kindness. Do you know it is impossible? It's impossible to be angry and kind at the same time? I've tried it. It's near impossible. And if you can do it, man, you're really good. I can't do it. Angry and kind at the same time. No, that anger stirs up. But what happens is we have to die to self and put that off. And it's our bowels of mercies that allows us to have and extend a kindness to others. 
You say, well, they don't deserve my kindness. It doesn't say anything about what they deserve. It just says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness. But then it says, humbleness of mind. Hey, listen, do you realize that you have to understand who you are? That's the humbleness of mind. You have to have an understanding of who you are. And once you understand who you are, you're going places. Because he says, next, put on meekness. Then he says, put on long-suffering. Wait, wait, you mean I have to suffer a long time? Mm Mm-hmm. If Christ is your life, you say, well, that doesn't sound fair to me. Well, I'm pretty sure Christ suffered just a little bit, didn't he? Did he not? Yes, he most certainly did. He says, put on some long-suffering. He says, as a matter of fact, once you put on some long-suffering, he says, forbear one another. Forbear? I have to look over myself to look at them? Yeah. If Christ is your life, forbear one another. And forgiving one another. You see, if any man have a quarrel against any, and I like this, if any man have a quarrel against any, this is not just for the brethren. Amen. This is not just for the family. This says if any man have a quarrel against any, that's giving any man. Forgive. Forgive. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then he says, above all, above all these things, Put on charity. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Because something's going to happen when you do this. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I want and I need for Christ to be my life. If I want His peace to rule in my heart. To the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. You see, in order for Christ to be my life, how do I do this? I have to die to self. You see, when we put on bowels of mercies and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another, forgiving one another, and putting on charity... That's not about us. It's not about us. It's dying to self. Because again, my self says, no, I don't want to do that. The old man says, no, I want the anger. The old man says, I want the malice and the wrath. They need to feel it. But when you're dead to self... What has a dead man ever felt? What has a dead man ever felt? Nothing. 
That's why we must die to self for Christ to be our life. And notice, back in verse number 3, it says that our life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. So number one, we must die to self. I want you to look at verse number 16, where the Scripture says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart or hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, do in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. The second thing that we must do in order for Christ to be our life is we must determine to speak. We must determine to speak. In 1999, I traveled neighborhood Bible time. We just had neighborhood Bible time in, and uh, man, it was a great summer for me. It was also the worst summer of my life. It was the best summer of my life, and it was the worst summer of my life. Let me tell you why. When I traveled neighborhood Bible time, up to that point, I had just got through telling you in from September to December I got to know Rachel in January I asked her to the Valentine's banquet from the Valentine's banquet until the middle of May I did not go one day without seeing her not a day we spent many hours together we got to know each other And then this thing called summer break happened, and I dedicated my whole summer to travel across the country and do vacation Bible schools at churches. And they gave us these rules. And these rules were rules such as you can't chew gum. Rules, I'm breaking one now as a matter of fact, you can't put your hand in your pocket while you're standing in front of people. Rules... Like, I I don't even know all of them. But there was one rule that I had a serious issue with. If you had a girlfriend, you could only talk to her once every two weeks for ten minutes. It's the dumbest rule I've ever heard. It's not even biblical. You talk to your girlfriend once Every two weeks, and I said, I don't know if I like this. And I got through the first week. We had three weeks of training. I talked to her one time. Went to the first church in Hastings, Nebraska. Got there. Now remember, Poor kid, I never got any mail, right? I get to Hastings, Nebraska. It's in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, which I think pretty much the whole state of Nebraska is that way. But uh, we get in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and uh, get off the airplane. We walk onto the tarmac and meet the pastor, and he puts us in his car. And, and he says, uh, which, which one of you is Aaron? And I said, that's, that's me. He said, you have a package on my desk. Make sure you get that when you get to the church. 
I got mail. And I said, all right. I got there, and I, I got there, and I opened it up, and, uh, and it, had, it had some goodies in it, and, and then it had six cards. One that said Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on Sunday, I opened up the first card, and I read it, and it was from Rachel. And it was a card, and she wrote through, and she said, I figured you wouldn't get any mail while you were on Bible time, and so I wanted to make sure you got some. And you know what? That made me miss her even more. And it made me hate that dumb rule even more. And I went through that first week, and on Saturday when it was time to make phone calls, uh, I, I made the phone call, and I talked to her again, and, uh, and I told her thank you for the cards and uh, all of those good things, and uh, we uh, communicated some, and, uh, and I got to the second church, and same thing happened. The pastor said, which one of you is Aaron? I said, me. He said, you have a package on my desk. Make sure you get it when we get to the church. I knew what it was at that point. I got my cards once again, one for every day. Love letters. Still have them all in a shoebox. After that second week, I couldn't take it any longer. I began to call her after every rally at night. And we talked almost every night as much as we could. We had to wait. Now, this is this, some of you younger ones, you won't know this, but uh, she had a cell phone at that time. I did not, but I had to use a calling card, and uh, I had to call her cell phone after 9 o'clock because that was free nights. Now you just talk unlimited, doesn't matter what, but back then, if you called before 9 o'clock, you had to pay for it, and uh, we may have gotten in a little bit of trouble for that one time from her mom because her bill was really, really large. And uh, so I had to call after 9 o'clock, which was fine with me because the rallies were all over. But, man, we started talking. And I was reading her letters and talking every day. And, and I know it's against the rules, but, uh, you know, I was in love. And I remember one night I was laying on a couch in Cherville, Indiana, and, and I realized, this is, summer is awful. I want to be with her. I don't want to go another day without her. And I called her, it was about 10.45 that night, and, and we talked till almost 1 in the morning. And I know it's a little strange, but we talked about it, and I said, hey, can I ask you something? She said, of course. I said, you ever think about getting married? She says, I've thought about it. I said, you ever... You ever think about getting married to me? Now we're on the telephone. Who does that? And she said, uh, maybe. I said, well, well, I've been thinking about it. I think it'd be a good idea. She said, me too. And I didn't know, I didn't expect that. I thought, oh my. Oh my, we're going to get married over the phone. 
It's a little odd. But we went through, and, and I said, well, I can't ask you over the phone. And she said, well, you can't ask me at all because you have to have to talk to my dad first. I'd only met her dad two or three times, and he's an intimidating fellow. And I said, oh, um, I, I could do that. And so, uh, well, we uh, had a rally in St. Clair, Missouri, which was about two hours north of where Rachel and her family lived at the time. And uh, I remember one afternoon, she convinced her father to drive to St. Clair, Missouri, Well, I was on Neighborhood Bible Time, so I could talk to him about marrying his daughter. And he showed up after our morning rally, and we went to lunch together, and again, we sat there for about 90 minutes, and we shared lunch together, and we we talked together, and finally he put his fork down, and he looked at me, and he said, son, I've enjoyed talking with you. He said, it's been a good talk, but I can't stay all day, and I don't think I drove up here for two hours for you just to talk to me. What do you want? <laughs> oh, man. And so we went through that, and of course, he gave his blessing. And, but I'm still traveling neighborhood Bible time, and I still want to talk to her every day. And we talked every day. I broke the rules. But we talked every day. Because I was determined. I was determined. I finished that uh, summer the first week of August, and we, I flew home to Indianapolis, and Rachel had made a, a plan to come to Indianapolis, and so she drove up, made the drive up, and I got off the airplane. My mom picked me up. I said, Mom, you got to take me to the jewelry store. i got to buy a ring. So she took me to the jewelry store. We went in. I only had so much money. I bought the ring and put it in my pocket and waited for Rachel to get to my house. We went out to dinner that night and took a carriage ride around Indianapolis. And in the carriage, I got down on one knee and struggled to pull the ring out. And as I was going through everything, the carriage person, whatever you call those people, he stopped the carriage right on the the river there. It was just a beautiful sight of downtown Indianapolis. You could see the river on this side, the downtown on this side. And uh, right as I'm getting ready to say, will you marry me, the horse decides to use the restroom. And as I'm handing her the ring, she cannot help but contain herself. She can't contain herself. She's laughing. And I finally just say, okay, will you marry me? And she said, yes. But you know, I wonder, I really do wonder, some days, if I was not as determined to speak to my girlfriend, what that summer would have done to our relationship. Would it have lasted? What if she was not determined to write those letters? What would have happened in our relationship? But you see, she was just as determined as I was. And can I tell you, in our relationship with God, He has given to us a love letter of love letters to communicate with us, to share His heart with us, 
He was determined to speak to us. We ought to be just as determined to speak to Him. And notice it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Look, we're to learn His Word. We're to let it determine to be in our lives and in our hearts that whatsoever we do in word or in deed, that we would do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let me ask you something. Are you determined to speak to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you determined in your prayer life each and every day? Let me tell you something. If you're not, Christ isn't your life. If the only time you bow your head in prayer is at a mealtime, listen, that's not enough. If the only time you bow your head in prayer is when we come to church on a Sunday morning, that's not enough. You've got to be determined to speak every day. If Christ is going to be your life, you have to die to self. You have to determine to speak. Let me give you number three. Because the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, Fearing God. Listen, this, in this passage, wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants. He just got done talking about putting off, putting on. He just got done talking about letting God's Word dwell in our hearts richly. What? does this have to do here? Can I tell you we have to not only die to self, determine to speak, but we have to declare to surrender. You see, in all of these relationships here, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, husbands love your wives, children obey your parents, fathers provoke not your children, servants obey. All of this tells us that it is not about us. It's not about us. It's the surrender that we give. And notice, to the wives it says, as it is fit to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. The surrender here is not necessarily to one another, although it involves one another. The true surrender here is to God. Who is it pleasing? Again, if you go back to verse number 17, and whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, and then it goes into all of these things. Wives, submit yourselves in your homes. Well, I don't want to. 
Husbands, love your wives. Well, I don't want to. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I don't want to. Fathers, provoke not your children. I don't want to. Servants, obey in all things your masters. Well, I don't want to. Well, wait a second. Again, it is not within us to want to do these things. That's why we must die to self first. Once we die to self and we're determined to speak with Him, the declare to surrender comes easy, folks. It says, oh, okay. You say, Pastor, you don't know my husband. Or you may say, Pastor, well, you know my husband. Some may say, Pastor, you don't know my wife. She's hard to love. Listen, it's not for you. This isn't even about you. It's about Him. It's about Him. Because He goes on in verse number 23 and He says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. You see, if we have, a, if we have this idea that we're going to die to self, because Christ is going to be my life, I must die to self. And I'm determined to speak to Him, and then I declare to surrender for Him, then I ought to have a desire to satisfy Him. A desire to satisfy Him. You see, we ought to strive to please the one we love. You, wanna, you want a happy marriage? I've never met anybody that's married that says they wanted a bad marriage. I've met people that have bad marriages. And I've met people that have great marriages. But I've never met anybody that says, my desire in marriage is to have a bad, horrible marriage. Never met anybody in that. You want to know one way to ensure that you have a good marriage and a great marriage? Make sure your spouse is pleased more than you are. Make sure of that. Make sure your spouse is pleased more than you are. Make sure of it. That's your duty. You say, but what about me? No, I didn't say what about you. I said make sure your spouse is pleased more than you are. You see, what happens when you do that, when, when their pleasure... will eventually become your pleasure. And when they're pleased, you know what you'll be? You'll be pleased. But you see, what happens when we get bent out of shape is we say, well, I'm not being pleased here. And if I'm not being pleased here, then you're not going to be pleased here. Because I'm not getting what I want. You're not going to get what you want. But you see, that's contrary to Scripture here, as he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. But keep in mind, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. 
Do you have a desire to satisfy the Lord's will? Not your will, not my will, but the Lord's will. You see, when Christ becomes our life, this is what it looks like. There's a death to self. There's a determination to speak every day. There's a declaration to surrender to whatever He would have. And there's a desire to satisfy His will in this life. How do we make Christ our life? That's how. The way for us to know God more is to spend time with Him. The only way for us to make Christ our life, again, is to die to self. I'll tell you, the battle within is tough, though. It's tough. But the benefits of having Christ as our life is amazing. The effects of the other relationships that we have on this planet, when Christ is my life, will benefit. The balance that it brings to everything else and brings peace is unexplainable. You want a miserable life? Continue to be selfish. Get all the things that you want. Just do that. But I tell you, you'll never be enough until Christ is all you want. May Christ be our life. Die to self. Determine to speak. Declare your surrender. Desire to satisfy Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.